0: Hosea chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is God's word. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. This is the word of the Lord, and let's pray. Our Father, now as we uh, turn our attention to your word, pray for your help that you would come that you would work in each of our hearts this morning as we hear this, uh, this uh, declaration uh, from your word, these, these, these two calls uh, upon us, upon your people. Lord, may we respond in faith. Uh, may we know that, that you truly are the one who will bring life to us if we would but turn away uh, from all the things that we look to in this world, for help and take refuge in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in just a little over a month, on February 4th, the Winter Olympics will begin. Uh, Some of us will find ourselves tuning in to the coverage during the nights uh, from February 4th to February 20th to watch uh, some of the world's greatest athletes pursue their dream of winning the gold medal in their respective sports. Uh, I know that members of my family particularly enjoy the figure skating, snowboarding, and bobsledding competitions. And of course, uh, when we tune in to cheer on the American athletes at the Olympics, we must know that we will just be watching the conclusion of their pursuit Of a medal. We won't see all the work, all the time, and sacrifices that that each athlete put in day after day after day in order to make it to the Olympics. For most of the athletes, the pursuit of an Olympic medal was the central focus of their lives for at least the past four years, if not many more. And if you are really pursuing something or someone, then you will dedicate your time, your attention, and your resources to gain or capture that which you are pursuing. You'll put forth effort in order to gain whatever it is that you want. Just think of a young college guy who who falls head over heels for a girl who sits just a couple of rows in front of him in Western Civ history class. And so he begins the pursuit, trying to get to know who she is, what, what, what dorm she's in, or what her class schedule is. We so can kind of, you know, plan out different opportunities to see her and maybe just happen to, you know, bump into her and and start a conversation. Even though he has a lot to occupy his time with classes and assignments and studying, still he will remain focused on pursuing this girl until he has a relationship with her, until he knows her. As we begin this new year, 2022, the question I want to ask you is, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What pursuit defines your life? As you get up and out of bed each morning, what is it that you are genuinely seeking after? What are you striving for? What are you pursuing? Well, it's my hope that each of you here today would pursue the knowledge of God. That we would pursue to know the Lord. That is what the verb for press on here in verse 3 really means. To pursue, to strive after, to chase, to fervently run after Knowing God is something we could all take steps forward in this year. Growing closer in our relationship with him, knowing more of him, what he is like, what he has done, what he will do, and what he is doing in the world, and what he has said in his word. We we, we can all grow in our understanding and knowledge of the Lord Of all creation. There is no one greater for us to know, and no one more satisfying for us to know than Him. The Almighty God, the one who made the heavens and the earth, and the one who came to save us. So we are shown in this brief text here this morning in Hosea 6, knowing him begins with repentance. Begins with repentance and leads to revival. That is, leads to life-giving blessing for us. So our main main theme here from these three verses is that heeding the call to repentance will lead us to pursue a life-restoring relationship with the Lord. Heeding the call to repentance will lead us to pursue a life-restoring relationship with the Lord. Hosea was a prophet uh, whom God spoke through to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Just before, the northern kingdom was overthrown by Assyria in 722 BC. Uh, That was God's judgment upon them for their idolatry. And uh, we're we about to begin, as I mentioned, a study uh, of First and Second Kings uh, in adult Sunday school uh, that meets before our worship service. And what we, what we will find there as we make our way through the book of Kings is just, you know, after the northern tribes divided from Judah, um, that Jeroboam, their king, their leader, that he immediately led them into idolatry. And that idolatry continued throughout the history of the northern kingdom, which eventually led to their demise. One scholar put it that it was beset with troubles from the very beginning. This nation deserved the destruction that it was about to receive. They had rejected God and pursued the gods of the pagan nations surrounding them. They willingly followed in the very same ways as the Canaanites before them who had already faced God's judgment and were driven off his land. So they had been warned this would happen and yet they persisted in their idolatry. They definitely deserved what was coming to them. And yet, as we see here, God showed mercy to them. That's really what uh, Hosea is all about. It's about God's patient love and astounding mercy towards his people who are obviously not worthy of it. He showed mercy by sending his word to them through the prophet Hosea and calling them to turn back to him. He called them to repent and in so many ways that is our story as well. Here we are all gathered here this morning who not unlike the Israelites have all in various ways rejected God and taken up uh, the, the ways and beliefs of this world around us. We are unworthy of his attention. We are unworthy of his love. We deserve his condemnation. And yet God has shown us mercy by the very fact that we have his word sitting in our laps or in our hands, right in front of us. This word which calls us to turn to him and receive blessing, receive forgiveness, receive restoration, receive new life. But will we heed the call? Will we listen? Will we humble ourselves Or will we we receive a similar fate as Israel who were overthrown because they rejected God's gracious invitation? So the structure of this message is uh, divided up between the two calls uh, upon the people that we see here in these verses. A call for repentance and a call for relationship. And then it also has the promises which, which will accompany a positive response to the merciful calls of the Lord for his people. So the first call is a call to repentance. We see that there in verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. If you are familiar with the book of Hosea, then you know of the unique calling that God put on the prophet Hosea. He was not just called to preach God's word to the people. He was also called by God to marry an adulterous woman. Imagine if the Lord had put such a call upon a young preacher being called to serve a church. That he had to go out and find a young woman who had a reputation for sleeping around and then marry her and seek to raise a family with her while he served the church, all the while knowing that she wouldn't be faithful to him. Well, that's what the Lord had commanded Hosea to do. Uh, back in verse uh, 2 of chapter 1, we see his call. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go. Take to yourself a wife of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblayim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Hosea's marriage to Gomer then becomes this living illustration for the people of God's relationship with Israel. Throughout the Bible, we find that God describes his relationship with his people like a marriage. In fact, in in Ephesians 5, we are told that marriage itself, from the very beginning, was given by God as a demonstration of the mysterious relationship that the Lord would have with his people, with his church. And God says through Hosea that the marriage is in trouble The marriage is on on the rocks, not because God had not kept his promises, but because his bride, Israel, had been shockingly unfaithful. Hosea 2.13 explains the problem clearly for us. Hosea 2.13 says, And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry and went after other lovers... And forgot me, declares the Lord. So just as a wife who leaves her husband and cozies up with other lovers, so Israel was cozying up with other gods. They were worshiping the idols of the Canaanites around them, Baal and other pagan gods sacrificing to them, even going so far as to sacrifice their children. So the sensible thing for God to do then was just to It would just be be to divorce them. Divorce his bride. Since Israel had broken the covenant of marriage, since they had rejected his love and sought the love of others, God had every right to discard them. But here we see Hosea the prophet calling the people to repent, to return, to, to come back home. Come, let us return to the Lord. This is the only time we, we, we see this happen in Hosea. There are several other calls to repent that the Lord gives to his adulterous people uh, through Hosea. Two more uh, calls to return in chapters 12 and 14. In chapter 12, uh, verse 6, we see, So you, by the help of your God, return. Hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. And here in in 12.6, this also reveals the great tragedy of rejecting God and going after other gods or other ways uh, of deliverance and provision shows that when you lose God, when when you reject Him, you also lose love and justice. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. When you turn away from God, you also turn away from any hope of genuinely being able to love others and to seek justice. For for a community to act justly, it will only come through a right relationship with God, with the God of love and justice. And that's a truth that our contemporary culture definitely needs to learn. And then in chapter 14, we find a similar call to return there verses 1 and 2. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity except what is good, and we will pay with bowls the vows of our lips. In the context of Hosea, this return is again a return like, like a wayward wife who has left her husband and family to pursue other lovers, but of course has wound up in great stress and heartache. And then one morning, she receives a call from her husband. And amazingly, she answers the call, expecting to hear angry words and accusations, but instead she hears a loving, concerned, familiar voice encouraging her to return, return, come home to us. Turn away from those other lovers who only brought you heartache and despair and come home. Return to me. And Hosea then shares with the people God's promise of restoration if they would turn from their idols in repentance and return to the Lord. So we see the promise of restoration here. For he has torn torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. So these lines express the realization of God's people who have come to their senses. Like the son in the parable in Luke chapter 15, the son who demanded his share of the inheritance from his father and then, and then left his father and family to indulge in pleasure, He came to his senses once he realized he was in the sorry state that he was in, that is, poor and hungry and longing to eat what he was feeding the pigs. He was in that sorry state because of his own sin and rebellion. He was suffering greatly because uh, the merciful yet strong hand of God was against him, which led him to see the foolishness of his choices. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired men. And that realization is what is being referred to here in Hosea six, uh, uh, one. The people had run away from the Lord, they they had sinned against God, and it had not turned out well for them. Trouble had followed them, for they had turned away from their refuge, their Savior, and sought protection and help from idols and demons. Hosea then, then calls to them to see that the suffering that they had to endure is actually from God's kind and merciful hand. We see that all, of it, all the suffering, all the trouble their sins had brought on them was meant to lead them back to the only one who could heal them, the only one who could bind up their wounds, the only one who could give them life. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. So, brothers and sisters, as a pastor, I can share with you far too many stories of those in the churches that I've served, children of church members who knew what God's word said and yet turned away from Him, chose to live their lives without Him. Rather than humbly submitting themselves to what His word said, they decided that they knew better, they knew better than God how to live, and how to enjoy their lives, and it always brought trouble, heartache, pain to them and especially to their families. Now when pain and suffering come because of our sin, far too often we respond with even more pride, with even more stubbornness, refusing to repent, refusing to admit our error, we instead harden ourselves even more against God. But but we see here what God's purpose is for his discipline. What the goal is for the hard things that he will bring into our lives when we stray from him. It is to lead us back to him. When we have been torn open, It's meant to recognize God is the only one who can heal us. When we've been struck down, we are to be assured that he is the only one who is able to bind us up. And finally, when we recognize that we are dead in our sins, it is to see that he is the only one who can raise us up. The only one who can can resurrect us. Look at verse 2. The ultimate fulfillment of verse 2 was when God raised up the Lord Jesus on the third day. It says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes there that he, that is Jesus, was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Paul would have had Hosea 6.2 in mind when he wrote that. God sent his son into the world. He took on human flesh in order to represent us, to represent God's sinful people on the cross. He took our sin upon himself there. He was torn there. He was struck down there by God's wrath. God's wrath against our sin. And then God raised him up on the third day, showing that that all who come to Christ by faith will be healed by God. They will be bound up by him. They will be resurrected and given eternal life through their repentance and faith in Christ. Ultimately, it was God who poured out his judgment on Christ, For the good of his church, for the good of you and I. Through Christ, God's people will be restored, but only through Christ. Secondly, we see the second call God's call to relationship. This is in verse 3. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. It is verses like this, my friends, that really show us that genuine faith in Christ is centered on our personal relationship with him. Not just just a set of beliefs that we, we claim to adhere to. We claim to believe. God's not calling you to just a certain way of life. He's calling you to a certain relationship with him. Let us Know the Lord. So asking someone, are you a Christian? Or uh, do you go to church? Those questions really don't tell us much about them. A much better question would be, do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Do you really know, do you have a relationship with the Lord? As I said before, let us press on to know the Lord means literally, let us pursue to know the Lord. This statement is, is intense. Let us, let us strive to know God. Repentance comes first, but it never ends with just repentance. It must move on to a restored relationship with the Lord. We must know him. We must pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Like, like we would pursue the gold medal if we were an Olympic athlete. Like we would pursue food if we were starving. Like a a faithful father and husband would pursue an income in order to provide for his family. This verse has a direct connection uh, back with verse two. When we repent, God raises us up to new life in him. And, And notice the purpose there at the end of verse two, that we may live before him. Eternal life is defined by Jesus in John 17, 3, as being in relationship with God. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the call here in Hosea 6, 3, is let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. This is a call to eternal life. It is a call to be the very people God created us to be, to know him, to be in life-giving, soul-filling, heart-warming relationship with the creator of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords. And the amazing thing is that, that, that we can know him, that that he not only invites us into relationship with himself, but he also has provided us with the way through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished our salvation in his life, death, and resurrection. And he has provided us each uh, with his word, with the Bible. You have the scriptures. You have his word. And so we have begun a new year now. And of course, this is a good time for me to encourage you to either begin a a new uh, daily Bible reading plan or to make a commitment to get back to that daily reading plan that you strayed away from in the past year. That is probably the most practical way for us to pursue to know the Lord is to spend just a few moments each day reading and pondering what God's Word says and then praying and speaking with the Lord about your life. Casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Just like in a marriage, the more husband and wife pursue one another in the marriage relationship, the better they know each other, the more time they have together with one another, the closer their relationship becomes. The more they trust each other the more confident and assured they are in their relationship, in their marriage, the more security they feel. And so it is with our relationship with the Lord. The more we seek to know him by being in his word regularly, by by obeying his word, that is by by, by doing what his word says, and by being together, as we are here this morning, with his people, worshiping and serving him together, we will grow in our not him. When you read his word, get to know his ways. You know, what does the Lord do? What are his great acts? Ask, ask those kinds of questions as, as you're reading the, 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 the Bible, because that will help you to, to really know him. You know, ask, what are his purposes here? What is the goal uh, that, 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 that God is seeking in his covenants with his people? Where is he leading his people towards? You know, what are his promises? What are his loving requirements for his people? Get to know those things. Ask those kinds of questions. You will then be pursuing to know the Lord. And of course, also just like in a marriage relationship, if we don't pursue the knowledge of God, if we don't put any time into being with him, well, then the weaker our relationship with him becomes like if a husband and wife don't really make any time for each other or maybe they avoid each other, don't really try to, you know, to get to know each other better and spend much time together, well, the more likely they will be to, to stray, to seek out other lovers, to feel much less secure in their marriage. If we don't press on to know the Lord, the more in danger we will, we, we will be To seek out and follow other gods, other things, other ways of living. So, brothers and sisters, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. And and, and if we do, there will come great blessing for us, which is what the second half of verse 3 is focused on a promise of refreshment. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Because of the wonder of electricity, we live in a world of light today, but we must remember in 722 BC, the darkness of the night was often a very frightening time. Now we are in the middle of winter here in Nebraska when, when, when nights are, are, are long it gets dark before supper time. We don't see the light again until uh, almost 8 o'clock in the morning, and over, that's over 10 hours of darkness, which, which isn't all that big a deal for us because we have lights. But imagine if you had to endure that darkness without electric lights. The nights could get really long for our ancient ancestors. But they always had hope that the dawn would come the night would end. Even when it was total and utter darkness and there was no sign of sunlight around them at all, anywhere they believed, the sun would rise again, that it was just a matter of time. And also every spring, when they hadn't received any real rain for months, their ground was very dry, they knew that, that come the spring, It would rain once again. And the rain would bring life to their fields, just like the sun would bring life to their crops. So, friends, in our lives, we are going through, we we are going to go through some very dark nights. We are going to experience some some spiritual droughts when it seems like God is far from us and, and perhaps that He has left us. Maybe some of you experienced some of those times this past year. And it is in those times that our relationship with the Lord will be challenged. It is in the midst of the droughts that we will wonder if it will ever rain again. If we'll ever see life again. It is in the midst of the darkness of great sorrow and sadness in our lives that we wonder, does God care? We wonder if we'll ever experience the light of God's presence again. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go back to Iowa. Been there twice in the last uh, uh, week, celebrating Christmas. But last week, a friend of ours, who was a member of our former church, died from complications of COVID, and the funeral's tomorrow morning. He was 54 left behind his wife and uh, three uh, adult children, two grandchildren, another one on the way. And as he spent the last weeks in ICU, in failing health, they were in a time of darkness and drought, wondering if they were ever going to see the dawn or the spring rains that bring refreshment and restoration. And although we were praying for a much different outcome, they are now walking through the the dark valley of the shadow of death. And let's face reality. It is a valley that all of us either have walked through or will walk through. We'll be there. But we are shown here, friends, that the more we know the Lord, The more we press on to know him, the more confident and assured we will be that the dawn will come, that the spring rains will come. While we are in the midst of the darkest and most difficult times, we will be assured God is here. God will lead us through. The more we know the Lord, the greater our confidence that even though we will have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we won't be walking through that valley alone, that our Lord, our shepherd will be with us. And that because he is with us, that he will one day raise us up from the dead as well as our loved ones who also know him. Knowing the Lord will make all the difference in that valley. So make sure, make sure you know him. So as we begin 2022, my brothers and sisters, how will you pursue the Lord this year? Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your help. We we want to know you. We want to know the Lord Jesus. We want to know your ways. We want to know who you are. We want a strong, committed relationship with you, O Lord. But we admit, we admit, Father, that we often are led astray by our own desires or by the ways of this world and our enemy. So, Father, we ask for your help, that your Spirit would come and so work in our hearts that we would desire you above anything else in this world. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us and do this work. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.